Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Otari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man whose job is to play us an alarming musical sting every time somebody almost takes the wrong suitcase. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and I, I, I do want to be clear that alarming musical sting, which I love, is just every time the old man is on screen. I know that, but like when the first uh, time you encounter it in the movie, you're like, it is, it is because the suitcase because is being the suitcase, up, and you're yes. like, what? It's it, what I'm saying it's is, so you good. as an audience member eventually understand what's causing it, but initially right. it makes but the first no time. goddamn sense. You're like. Well, uh, right. is the suitcase bad? Is this like there is no context to why it's happening the first time, and and, and there's barely any context to why it happens ever. No, well, uh, and here's it's, it's worth just, a note. It's you do eventually understand why it's happening. How do we explain this? Right. How do we say yes. this? You understand the contextual meaning, like what it's playing related to, but what you don't understand is why it's playing because it doesn't actually make any fucking sense. Right. Like he's not he's not worthy of alarming musical sting. No, it's because it's the musical no, sting not. you but get in like a movie silly. where like, well now the now the now the mob like the mob guy who's gonna kill you showed up on screen again or something. You know what I mean? It's not drunk old man who's definitely into incest is on screen. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, it's just how it's the evils of the provincial people. They yes, all need- as you as we've learned. Via a, a specific documentary, did you know a hundred percent of provincial people were doing incest prior to the year nineteen fifty-eight? It's ah, cr- uh, the provinces. All people were peasants prior to nineteen fifty-eight and did a t- fuck ton of incest. I don't know that that which is, does, which is the defining the defining characteristic of peasantry. Yes, right. Yes, as as, as we all know, if we look up in. In Le Webster Dictionary, the definition of peasant, <laughs> we find people who do incest and live in the sticks. Le Webster. Uh, Pat, before we get too much into this movie, because, yeah, we've already talked about some silly aspect of it, uh, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. We do a non-criterion film every month. Our supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch. And, uh, yeah, we just release an episode just like this, but about a non-criterion film. You, you'll be uh, hard-pressed to tell the difference except for the intro because, frankly, they're neither crazier nor less crazy than the Criterion Collection is in and of itself. Yeah. That's the entire point of this podcast was that I just love talking about movies with Pat. Yes. And we want to recreate the conversation we had while, moving, uh, while leaving the theater. So we'll do this about any movie. That $1 mark gets you access not only to the new bonus episodes, but the entire back catalog. There's uh, over 70 over there right now. I'm not honestly not sure on what We've the exact number count. is. Yeah, I don't um, know either. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we've watched stuff like uh, Dog Day Afternoon, which is a really fantastic movie. Oh, I love movie. that movie so much. And 
uh, and Del Toro's Pinocchio, which is such a good also movie great. that they added it to the Criterion Collection after we did the episode. Oh, did they? We're um, we're we're yeah. prescient. What can I say? Yeah, um, and yeah, you know, we've watched some bad movies over there too. Never and never, you know, never as happened. a release valve. If I make a really terrible list, sometimes they get to make us watch uh, Kazam. Starring it has Shaquille not Hill. happened in a long time. They're not. It interested. hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah, I don't think people are interested in making us watch Shaquille O'Neal again. A little above that $1 mark for folks who can help keep us going a little bit more, and we greatly appreciate it. At $5, we like to thank our supporters on air. Thank you so much to our current $5 a month supporters, Andrew Jarrett, Stephen Goldmeyer, Eric Coronado, and Chris Otto. Above that, we do something I think is pretty dang special. I makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard and mail it off once a month to our $10 and above supporters. And we like to thank them on air as well. Thank you so much to Adam Speakerman, Jason Westhaver, Nina Bajnak, Patrick Yako, and Tracy McGrath. Yes, thank you all. If you want to check out those postcards without committing that $10 mark, you can head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criterion. There, our store should come up. You can see past postcards and buy them as postcards, as greeting cards, as stickers, uh, a couple as T-shirts, a couple as phone cases. Basically, whatever whim oh, man. I'm feeling. I want to see I somebody with a phone case of, of one of those postcards. That would be beautiful. Thank you, everyone who has purchased anything off our Redbubble. Thank you to everyone who supported us on uh, Patreon over the years. And thank you for listening. This week, we are watching uh, probably, I think, the third or fourth film we've watched that is described as the first film of the yeah, French New Wave. I'm I'm under the impression that it that that like they all exist in some sort of time warp, or they're all the first one. Um, my impression is that this might actually be the first one. Well, it's not. Okay. Uh, well, that's they certainly tried to push that impression on me in all the materials uh, about this. Varda's La Pointe Court. Okay. From 1954 is the first one, unless you just don't count Farda. Which, uh, which, which, and since, let's be really clear here, none of these assholes are. <laughs> none of these assholes count Farda. So. Despite the fact that Barda uh, is maybe the most new age of the new age directors, actually. In the sense that she keeps to the, the, to the concept of it, the sort of like, is sort yeah. of like the most purest form of it. And like, keeps yeah, I think to so. that in many ways yeah. and like i think that to a certain extent her being both more pure and well let's look about a woman more pure yeah. about it and also doing a better job just in general well you see maybe really really pisses all also, these dudes off like real bad she also lives across the river she doesn't work for the magazine uh, right, right. It's all these things that like allow them to exclude her from 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 yeah. Wayne's eye. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. As frequently yeah. discussed, we we've talked about in the past. We talked about when we watched the Point Court. Um, we talked about when we watched the Four Hundred Blows. Uh, well, way back when we talked about the Four Hundred Blows, which is another one that is the first French New Wave film, but not really right, chronologically. Right. Um, it is. It is perhaps ideologically. It is the codifier of the French New Wave. Well, in, in, in many ways, it, yeah. And 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 it's. Well, I complain about a lot of them. It is. It is extremely French New Wave, right? Like it is the like. Oh yeah, yeah. If you're like name a French New Wave film and like. Four hundred boats. It's, it's yeah. what's going to come out, right? Like I mean, no, it's not. And I mean, that's come a, out, that's you a, say that to most people, they'll be like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Please yeah. stop." That's a popular consciousness thing too, because even as you and I have watched so many Varda films, right. 
Vard is not the first name that comes to mind. My mind. No, no, certainly not. Well, I've almost, yeah. I've almost like segregated her in my mind, but in like, I what I like to think of as, as a positive way rather than a negative way. In the sense yeah. of like, oh, she's above those assholes. Yeah, exactly right. She's, there's these assholes, yeah. and then there's Varda. You know what I mean? Is sort of how it works yeah, in my mind. Right. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So the Point Court came out in 1954. This uh, this film, Claude Chabrol's Le Beau Serge comes out in 1958. While he's making this, he is more or less concurrently working on uh, his next film, Les Cousins, which we will talk about next week. Uh, which I am I am still... I know it's not true because the one in, because the one in uh, Arrested Development is just a made-up film that doesn't exist. <laughs> I'm going to argue is the film from, from, yeah. from uh, Arrested Development. So. Yeah, it's not. It's not that, but it, maybe it will be. Um, but yeah, that came out the same year. Uh, there is a fun part in one of the bones. Well, it came out sort of the next year, sort of. It's it's weird the timeline too. Um, I love but, weird uh, timelines. But there's a fun there's a fun little bit in one of the bonus features this week, talking about how uh, critics critics who liked uh, the movies were able to, uh, or people who liked the movies were able to sort of pit them against each other. Uh, so for people who didn't like the cousins, it's like, well, he's got this other movie out right now that you might like better. Uh, and people who didn't like Le Bousserge, you know, they could say the same thing about the cousins and go back and forth. Um, Le Bousserge, uh did not uh, get a lot of critical or public attention. It did make its very meager budget back. Um, but Le Cousins was actually a commercially successful film. Right. Well, um, you know the French, and we'll talk more about that next week, of course. Yes, the French. I don't. It you are you are being shaded by the Arrested Development stuff, but I know it's a French, I, call, uh, French I, film. It's a French film called The Cousins. We haven't watched it yet. It's probably got some incest in I, there too. I, I am very <laughs> specifically doing this on purpose because I think it's funny. Let's be very yeah. clear here. I I'm aware it is probably not the thing that is interested about it, but I'm not going <laughs> to let go of this bit for the entire episode. Okay, I can't. Now, probably yeah. when we meet it, it'll like it eventually will like fade from memory. But for now, I'm I yeah. can't like I I've got to just you just got to go with what you love, you know and. It's yeah. it's too good. So, uh, so another aspect of uh, of this early French New Wave stuff is that these uh, this comes out Le Bousserge, then Le Cousins, then Four Hundred Blows is is out by the time Le Cousins comes out too, or right around the same time. Uh, but one of the other Cahiers guys, uh, Jacques Rivette, mm-hmm. was working on. Uh, Paris belongs to us. He'd written it in 1957. He'd actually started shooting it by the time Le Beau Serge came out, but then it just wasn't released until 1961. Okay. So, so it also we we will eventually talk about it. Uh, is it in the collection? It's it's spine number 802, so it's still a few years away. Uh, four years away, in fact. Uh, we don't like to think about that part. But I'm sure when we get around there, we'll also talk about it being the first film in the French New Wave yeah, of course. or something like that. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's... it. They are the first films of a movement that is fairly 
loosely defined to a certain extent. Well, aren't they all, right? Like, isn't that always just sort of the thing about these sorts of movements is they all are kind of wishy-washy. It allows, and I think that's, in many ways, that's on purpose, right? Like, it allows each of them to, like, keeping the movement loosely defined allows everything to claim to be the first or or some first with a little bit of a caveat of the movement. Like, nobody wants to nail the movement down too hard because... You would also put a bunch of boundaries on it, and a bunch of things would suddenly become excluded because you'd be like, well, that's not actually French Douai because insert like obvious reason why it's probably not, uh, right. which we've discussed multiple because times. Made, because it was made by a woman. <laughs> it was apparently because it was made by a woman. <laughs> and, or, or, you know, a bunch of the ones that do get considered but, like, are have not been excluded by the people who made these things but, like, should have been maybe because, like, oh, it doesn't involve non-actors or... Or it does involve non-actors, right, right, right. but somebody literally has a string tied to them and is telling them to treat them like a human puppet. <laughs> you know, things like that that are that would I would argue probably disqualify those things from being because they're quote unquote French New Wave, right? Well, like, well, the 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 string on their toe was uh, Rosalini. That was Italian. I know. I'm just, but yes, same, that's, to same me, that's argument. That's like in my mind. Uh, that's the hallmark thing. Area. It's the funniest thing. That, yeah, that, it's one of the funniest yeah. things you've ever told me. And I, yeah. even though it's yes, it's not French New Wave, it is, it is, you know, nonetheless. <laughs> well, actually, speaking of Rosalini, there is a Rosalini yes. collection in this as well. It's very good. Uh, it comes up in one I of the bonus features. Just, I think he just yeah. grifted them. I don't think it had ever existed. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've got yeah. I've jumped ahead. But... Uh, Sabro tells, tells a story that uh, Rosalini had supposedly been contracted by the Swiss to make a number of films. Uh, and he got in touch with the guy here's the cinema guys to solicit scripts from them, which was before any of them had made a movie. Years before oh, any of them like had a made a movie. So I, Rosalini was just grifting them, <laughs> and, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. So Rosalini says, hey, maybe you guys can write us some scripts. So Truffaut, Chabrol, and one other guy, I can't remember which, uh, all sent some scripts and... Uh, uh, Shabro describes the the other guy whose name I can't remember that script as being like about uh student revolutionaries. Uh his was a proto version of what would become Le Beau Serge. And then uh he doesn't describe Truffaut's, but no. he says Rossellini Rossellini responded that Truffaut's was the only one that was worthwhile, but it wasn't a feature length idea. Yeah, it was uh, and then Shabril, yeah, and then Shabril says, in order to downplay the disappointment of being rejected by this movie maker they all loved, that he's pretty sure that the contract with the Swiss was canceled by the time uh, Rossellini had responded. Uh, but I think you're probably. I on the think right it path never existed. Path. I don't I, think the contract existed. I think yeah. I think Rossellini was grifting them probably for like I'm not sure exactly how it was going to work. I don't know what the exact grift was going to be. Because we don't get. I bet he detail. just wanted scripts. I think he's just trying to get Russell scripts. Russell Lee right? wanted yeah, scripts, and then they gave him garbage. Yeah, they gave him garbage like, oh, scripts, and not, he didn't want them. I, I was hoping to get yeah. a bunch of free scripts out of these like young guys who are just like looking up to me or whatever, and then got trash and was like, yeah. "Well, shit, that didn't work." Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> the contract work. fell Moving through, on. boys. Or, or actually, no, he didn't even yeah. do that. He even took it one step further and said, "No, no, no, you guys all suck," <laughs> which is very funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> These are bad, and also it's over. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all very silly. Uh, but yeah, Shabro, Shabro's got a good sense of humor about it, at least. So there's that. The other, uh, 
fun background thing about this movie is that it was only made because uh, one of Shabro's wife's uh, relatives died and left yeah. them a ton of money, which well, which wait, he ha- took to make the movie. We, have we heard this story before? With a different director, like this seems to be half the time. It's like, well, we eventually one of us was married to like a rich lady, and it's like, it wasn't this well, exact story, but I feel like we've heard this more than once. Where it's like, oh yeah, like, well, even uh, weren't were some of the other even, new wave guys married to like relatively rich women, and that's how they got their stuff made. As recently as the Jean Vigo stuff, Jean Vigo's wife came from money, and that's how he was able right. to. His his father in law bought yeah, him his first Yeah, there was camera. that one, but I thought before uh, that we encountered some of these. Um, this, I feel like this is becoming a freq- standard no, story. Frequently, frequently, my wife has money is the background story of this. There is also actually all the way back with again, uh, Varda and the Point Court that the uh, Point Court was, if I remember correctly, Varda's mom's mortgage. Basically, right, but that's that's a different affair, court. right? Because like, oh, so, yeah. mom, I'm gonna put your house on the on the line here, just so you know. Yeah, uh, maybe I'm misremembering that one too, or which movie it was. But but yeah, the Terrence Rafferty essay that comes with this Criterion release also names this one Le Serge over Varda as the movie that began the revolution, um, and he also. Uh, Rafferty also acknowledges that it really was 400 blows that popularized it and codified it right. in popular memory or popular consciousness. But, uh, but yeah, um, the Boussers premiered at the 1958 con film festival out of circulation or out of competition rather, um, according to Rafferty. But, uh, I think in one of those bonus features, uh, says it was rejected by from Khan. So perhaps it was actively actively kept out of competition instead right. of uh yeah. Um yeah, rejected by Khan and also uh the uh the French Board of Tourism really really had a lot of negative to say about this. Yeah, thing. I mean, you would too, make, right? Like it's like well, yeah. much of what we're going to complain about is probably now the French Board of Tourism <laughs> might be coming at it from the opposite direction in many ways, but it's basically the same complaint, which is like, could you not portray fully half of the population of our country as uh, <laughs> incestuous rapists? Like, thank you very much, thank you. Yeah, could you yeah, just probably. not not do that? That would be great. It would be super nice if you could keep from doing that. That'd be fun. Um, the original runtime of this movie was two hours and thirty five minutes long. Okay. Uh, you will notice. You will notice that that is not what we watched. Basically, an hour longer. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, a little over an hour longer. Than Do what you we think watched. that's the version they tried to take to con? Uh, maybe, maybe. maybe I don't. That's think why so. I got rejected. I think, like, uh, this movie is unwatchable, boys. Yeah. Try from again. what I've read, Shabro himself realized that uh, that that would have been a bad thing to try and release that length. Yeah, that's good. I'm uh, glad he that, does. Yeah, he is. He, he is said to have later regretted removing that hour and a half of footage or hour and five minutes of footage or so. Um, okay. It was... I mean, that seems like a lot I've of footage. Re- That's like... I, I, yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen it referred to as quasi-documentary. Okay. So presumably it was more everyday small-town life 
Like we still get some lingering shots of the kids playing in the streets. Um, I now I I think I would probably would've... like a film like that better than I like this in many ways. Yeah, because yeah, I no, I like I those think... kinds of things quite a bit. Like those have always rung true with us in a lot of ways. I think. Yeah. And like Chabrol seems like I mean he's from this area, right? Like, right. or like not he, necessarily he from this area. His family's kid, from here, yeah. and he it's like. You know, he goes there often, like, he, he's familiar. And, like, he, one of the reasons he's able to do this is not just his wife's money, but also because he's, like, friendly enough with the people there. Um, right, absolutely. That, like, they are willing to do things like this with him, right? And I'm bothered by the fact that, like, what comes out is so seemingly kind of, like, I don't know, we're we're going to get into it, but seemingly somewhat dismissive of those people. Um, yeah. Whereas a documentary, I think, would be a lot more true to form in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. At its at its heart, plot wise, this is pretty melodramatic, and I feel like you're underselling it. But okay. In, <laughs> sure. In in many ways, the bulk of the plot here is uh, that. Young people stuck in the provinces have nothing to do but uh, drink too much. And that young men who start drinking too much end up as old men who drink too much. And the sins of a person who has been drunk their entire life are manifest. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's like, well, um, it's, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, okay, I mean. It it may it seems to posit an argument that like people in the city don't necessarily drink too much like and have these you know yeah. what I mean like it sort of seems to play itself against the city in many ways where it's like maybe well the cousins is set and shot in Paris so maybe next week we will see that he has as much disdain for which, city which, people which as would actually seems. help like I mean it but, would legitimately like, yeah. we, we're kind of joking around a little bit right now but like it would legitimately and I suspect he does. Although I suspect he will also romanticize it more than um, right, right, right. This. But like, my issue is also like it does the thing where like we were joking about it at the beginning, but like it does the thing where it like seems to posit arguments that like I don't know how to explain it. Like when you do this kind of thing, like it always bothers me when it happens in America, and as it turns out, it bothers me when it happens um, on uh, in French film as well. Is this this idea of like? Like one of the guys in the documentary said it. He's like, well, like it's like gave some insane statistic that some quote unquote ethnographer discovered about like how much incest happens in the in the, in the rural provinces yeah. or whatever. I'm like, just go fuck yourself, like in every possible way. Like, just go fuck off. Like, because yeah. the timeline tracks with like the same time in the United States and other things. Like the quote unquote like war on poverty and a lot of these things were in many ways just a sort of. I'm gonna. It's hard not to sound conspiratorial, but like they existed as a way to to otherize people from poor rural districts that have been generally neglected by the metropoles while doing hardcore neoliberalism, and and to sort of like shame them to the point where eventually you sort of drive them into non-existence, right? Because you want to drive everybody into the city, right? Or or at least into the into right. the into the and um, we what am I calling it suburban communities or something like that you want to dr- you yes. want to shame them into essentially not existing anymore right um, right 
but we've also we've also seen similar false ethnography uh, from the French New Wave even about the prevalence of sex work in the tenements. Yeah, no, that, absolutely. Uh, like or, it's, but, but that's all part of the same sort of neoliberal project, right? right? Like it's this like, yeah, and and it's just. I don't know. Whenever and, and it bothered me in that situation too. We we talked a lot about it, right? We talked a lot about how much right. it bothered us in that as well. Yeah. But like, especially with the countryside, it's like so so othering. It's so like you're not yeah. you're not even like and like the movie kind of seems to want to have it both ways. It kind of seems to want to like be like, well, actually, I just didn't understand them. But in in the end, the premise is like, well, these are all just like incestuous animals who just want to like fuck each other and drink, like. When we get right down yeah. to the sort of now, end result, like it's sort of, I don't think the ending scene is enough is, to recover it, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, well, one, but the ending scene is a Christological uh, redemption arc that does not. Uh, right. That's what I'm saying. Is it, I think, the movie, well I think the movie thinks it works. Like, I think the movie thinks yeah. they're like, Ah, uh, we have redeemed these people. They are, they are yeah. redeemed. But like, I will. I don't think it succeeds. I will I'm saying, I will push back enough to say that, say the first guy we meet in town who who walks Francois through the city, right? Uh, and various other townsfolk that we do meet are not painted in that way. No, it they're not. But they're also not the main Serge. characters of the movie, right? That, yeah. That's part of the issue. Is like they are all side right. characters, right? They're all footnotes in the story which is the yeah. problem right they're, they, don't fin- they don't feature large enough to like make a counterpoint right this is you know we just talked about the the uh the phantom carriage and and so much of this is just another don't drink too well, much this is the, this tale. is the this like is the neoliberal right? post-war version of that it's the same yeah. morality tale but rendered out into like sort of like modern sensibilities right like of like is that yeah. we're not gonna do fire and brimstone temperance but what we are going to do is like paint like broad neoliberal paintings of areas that we think fail to meet the the, the um the sort of um, ideals of this new modern political age right and, right. and, and and sort of build up an idea in the metropoles that those places are like that to the point where that that idea pervades throughout this countryside and everybody anybody who's anybody in those places has a strong overwhelming desire to get out right they're like this is not good right. enough this society that you lived in and your parents lived in your grandparents lived in was not good enough it was an incestuous animal community and like you need to get into the metropole so you can like do modern work you need to start because we're we're also in the age right then of like we're in the process of inventing fake jobs, right? F- inventing fake email. Yeah. The email doesn't exist, but we're essentially in the process of inventing fake jobs. We have factory work, but factory work's already on the decline in many ways, right? Like it's 1958, right? Like you're not. It's not actually on the decline, but we're like we're actually on the precipice of okay, we're going to start moving into information based work rather than than manufacturing based work, mm-hmm. right? And that's got all part of the sort of the sort of the modern sort of neoliberal age and like people who live in the countryside and like living in the countryside are like fucking way too far behind that curve as far as the system is concerned right they're no longer like part of this society anymore I don't, it bothered me is what i'm saying i'm saying this movie bothered it, me 
it clearly bothered you. Pat. It got and in my it got in my crawl, and it did a thing that I hate in movies and TV shows. There's plenty of TV shows, even to this day, that do this, right? Yeah. Shabril positions this film as uh, sort of his goodbye to Catholicism, uh, in some ways. In one of the bonus features, he calls it both both Christian and anti-Christian. Okay. Um. And. I don't know. Like, ultimately, Francois is a Christ figure here, right? Right. He sacrifices himself to uh, to save Serge and redeem Serge in that process. Um, Although I guess we don't he, we don't as, know that he dies, right? Like, I, I guess we don't know for sure well, that he no, dies. I, I, what I'm the, saying is, is that like part of. <laughs> Part the of, guy with consumption. I know. I know. We, who's been I wandering the frozen he, countryside all night? I know. Maybe we know isn't he dies, dead. But my point is, is that part of any sort of Christ narrative is we need the explicit death, <laughs> right. right? Like we need by leaving right. it hanging, we don't even quite get that uh, to a certain extent. Yeah. <laughs> like the Bible would be a very different book if, like, they sort of implied that Jesus went on the cross and then they cut the movie. <laughs> Well, that is. Uh, well, this is. We'll leave this up to you, audience. It's a very different book. That is, is how the Book of Mark and also uh, Last Temptation of Christ end. So, is that how is the Last Temptation of Christ of ends? I don't remember. I watched that in in Bible yeah. school, basically. And uh, no, Last Last Temptation we've watched for the podcast. But is uh, that am I thinking? Am I thinking of the other one? I'm probably thinking of the other one. There's so are, many Christian. Like, you are th- Jesus movies. You are you are probably thinking of. Uh, the Passion of the Christ. I am. I am. I'm um, thinking of the Passion of the Christ. You're right. Yeah. Last Temptation ends with uh, with the crucifixion and then fade to white. But but uh, also to be fair, everybody broke. in the audience already know how that story ends. Right. 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 Like because uh, un- unlike unlike this movie, um, people are fairly familiar with the source material. I was at a church function and someone then a youth group thing. Like I was home from college and just sitting in the youth room. Uh-huh. And uh they had they had as the group gone to see the Passion of the Christ the night before and they wanted to talk about it, but then one of the leaders was like, Adam, I don't know if you've seen this, I don't want to spoil anything for you. What a weird it's thing like, to it's say. It's okay. I'm familiar with the source material, <laughs> yeah. it's fine. Yeah, I had to watch uh, that. I that was during the year of going to college that I was still trying to like Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And so I went to the yeah. to the to the the um Yeah. Methodist ministry a so, lot, and like I went to saw it, and that was that was really a turning point in many ways because I was like, "This is this is fucking horseshit." Right, I got to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. I think um, within this movie, within the religiosity of this movie, uh, beyond it being the pre, I think the priest in this movie is one of the better people in the town. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He explicitly tells Francois that maybe you should just leave, um, uh, and and accuses Francois of putting himself into a uh, uh, mesiotic position. Which for fair, which is true. Yeah, it's like uh, a fair. Cr- then, it's a fair criticism. Which, which we have to understand, since the priest says that in the movie, but Francois continues, then then. To a certain extent, the ending of this film is not Chabrol saying, isn't it a great thing what Francois did here? 
Uh, no, I don't. I don't think. Francois. Yeah, I mean, I would yeah. never argue that Chabot is making the <laughs> argument that like Francois is like uh, is good. I do not think. What I'm yeah. saying is that like Chabot is is arguing that like, and in many ways, like that's why I said like the next movie could be very helpful for this. Is that I think yeah. Chabot is arguing that both of these things are bad. It's just that one of them annoys me and the other doesn't. Yeah. Like critic and Fran- criticizing like stuck up city people like is not a thing that like I'm going to take uh, take yeah. uh, uh, umbrage with. I might next week. We never know, right? Like we may watch the next one and be like, oh well, this is also not fair to like city people either. Right, right. Um, and Francois also reverts to childish behaviors when he mm-hmm. gets back to town, right? As you do. Um, yeah. Uh, Francois also is a man in his 20s uh, who attempts a relationship with a 17-year-old. Yeah, um, yep. Uh, Serge attempts a relationship with the same 17-year-old despite being married to well, her has, sister. Well, has previously so had too. a relationship with and then attempts and has, to... Right. Well, I don't, think, it's, I don't right. think there's any attempt about it. I think probably we're meant to understand yes. that, like, Francois doing, like... Francois having a relationship with her has ignited a sort of like weird sort of um, dynamic where now he feels like he wants to like also yeah it's it's very right, weird right. Um, yeah there's a lot there's a lot of very inappropriate behavior uh, to say the least yeah but, uh, Marie to her credit really is just a bored teenager in rural yeah Kansas, yeah yeah so. and and what I find interesting about it is um, is that it, well you know. What the the movie has some interesting things to say. Like I don't think it's wrong. Like I find it interesting, and I do think this is a comment on the these sorts, right? Like Francois, like um, so when Marie is raped, right? We understand that she yeah. is raped uh, by her right. by her father. Um, we're meant to like we as the audience know that to be a fact, right? Like we we understand, and then and then Francois at first takes a sort of more high minded approach to like well like. You know, I don't think this is this is bad. Like, she didn't like you know, and like he makes statements like, "Well, did anybody ask her?" and that sort of stuff, right? And then he's immediately like cowed almost instantly by his friend presenting ideas that are very misogynistic, right? Of like, well, no, she she wanted yeah. it and all this stuff, right? And I right. find that interesting because I do think that ends up being a comment on Francois and the sorts of people Francois represents. Well, you have all these ideals that you'll espouse, but you're so easily like they're so easily turned away from them as soon as it becomes inconvenient to like have them. Right. Like this idea that like, well, you know, I think it's the argument being made. I'm not sure I'm right there, but I feel like there is narratively, it's an open secret that Glamond is not Marie's biological father. Marie knows it. Glamad knows it. The town knows it. Francois shows up and starts telling people that, and it upsets a delicate balance. Uh, and I don't, you know, that does not make Francois responsible for for not even a Glamod's little bit. Actions. Let's be very clear here, like not even a little bit. There's one specifically one responsible party. His name is Glamad, and he's a rapist. Like that's yeah. The, yeah. there's like, 
and the reality of the matter is, is it becomes an excuse for him, right? Like he he gets to say like, right. well, I didn't know, and that, but like it's still it's still rape. Like nothing changed like right. dynamically, right. right? It's just that like now everybody's gonna argue. Well, yeah. she wanted it and he wanted it because they're two people who are right. unrelated living together and stuff. And you get into one of the things that has always bothered me about the way society is structured, generally speaking, especially in like the West post, especially the West post war, right? Is this idea yeah. of like biological supremacy, right? Like. We took a lot right. of lessons from eugenics and stuff, and one of them was the idea that the only thing that matters is biology. And that, like, right. the fact that this person served in the role of father for 17 years becomes irrelevant because it's all about biology, right? And I don't think the movie right. necessarily right. argues against that concept. Um, and, well, I don't, yeah. I don't know that Marie, it doesn't. I'm just I'm uh, saying it's like I don't feel like it's making a strong argument either way uh, about that part. I think we're all meant to... Every everyone's justifying of Glamod. Uh, Serge Serge certainly is justifying of Glamod by saying Marie Marie had wanted it for a long well, time. Well, Serge is also uh, justifying himself, right? Like Serge is doing a right, right an end run right. around his own inappropriate. Serge is a behaviors. bad guy in saying that. Right. Marie, when Francois first brings up that I hear he's not really your biological dad, uh, Marie says essentially, it doesn't matter. Right. He's raised me as a daughter. And who's who's going to take care of him right. if I leave? She, she makes she makes the 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 actually cogent argument, which is like that's not how things actually work in the real world. Like biology is not the primary determiner of family. Period. I mean, to a certain extent, if uh, if we had been seeing Marie's story, uh, it would essentially be Bresson's Lemache in so many ways, right? Right. Of of a depressed teenage girl living in the country who is sexually assaulted. And then rolls down the hill to kill herself. To a certain extent, that would be a more interesting story. But obviously, Chabrol is also writing from a perspective of himself. Francois is very much a Chabrol insert character. Right. right? Uh, in the same way that Chabrol is coming back to this town he lived in as a child to make this movie, his main character comes back to the town in the storyline of the uh, of the film, too. Right. Uh, you know, they have those parallels. So, you know, in that extent, at least Chabrol makes Francois a complicated character. Right. right. It's not, Francois it's not, at not least just, it's not a, what is it like? It's not one of the insert characters that right. is just like, yeah, pure, Francois, uh, sort of like, um, well, I forgot what the word yeah. I'm looking for, but you know what I mean? Like, he's just purely like right. uh, Fran- self congratulatory or something like that. Right. Francois' choice to, save Serge is misguided and patronizing uh, and bad, but it is still his own sort of redemption arc too, right? He feels guilty for having gotten out. Right. So he comes back and wants to save the people who were left who things fell apart for. And that, you know, that's a common enough narrative in real life about people who were able to leave their towns. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, it is, it is both true to life and all, and, and, and is a bad, so, and like the movie does point like multiple times point out that like, this is a very self-indulgent impulse, right? Like you are, you're right. not, are you doing it for them? Or are you doing it for yourself? Kind of thing. Right. And, right. I mean, you could, you could trade out the alcohol for, uh, uh, opioids and this movie's exact plot would make sense set in 
uh, I don't know, Galleon, Ohio. Um, yeah, it would be today. a lot like a certain other. Uh, mo- yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it is. It is. A, um, the thing is, is it, uh, and I think that's hard for us to determine as audience members is how self-aware the movie is about the fact that that's like that is a fundamentally selfish impulse. Um, right, right. And right. this movie does yeah. seem to be fairly yeah. aware of that fact. So I'm not, I'm not condemning the sort of basic right. notions of the movie in that way. It's more just that, like, yeah. the idea of like portraying a small town in this way without any sort of count, like strong counterpoints is itself right. a sort of act of violence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a very, it's a very like nebulous, but it's still sort of a sort of. Violence of the metropole against against the exterior and the idea that like that this is a valuable form of life, right? Like you're you're even though the movie is also yeah. arguing that desire to save is a selfish impulse, it's also at the same time painting a very specific picture of the place. In its argument that this is a selfish impulse, it's still painting a picture of this place as fundamentally backwards. Right, right, right. Like on a on a uh, core conceit, outside, right? you know. Yeah. Right. Outside of the priest, uh, and the priest himself is a complicated character uh, politically in a 1950s French movie, right? Uh, because what what authority, by his own admission, the priest has no authority in this town. He's got six parishioners, and they're all old women who are about to die. Like, and uh, I, is that, is right. that, I've often wondered, that was sort of fascinating to me on sort of like a purely like, like kind of personal interest basis is that accurate to the way french catholicism functioned in the 19 late 1950s it, i mean post post war i can imagine that it could be accurate to the way it functions but like um, to me like know, and we again saw... we're we're american so it's a little bit different but like to me it's like i i've often run into like the idea that catholicism or any the dominant religious force in a country ever comes up against like hard times is always like individual churches might, but it's usually out of a sort of like right. sense of like capitalist competition between churches, which is a fucked notion in and of itself um, rather than a notion of like, right. well, nobody's interested in Jesus anymore. Like the idea that this whole town, there are only six old ladies who like go out or go to church out of pure habit or whatever is like, that seems insane right. to me. Certainly. Certainly by the time Younel is working in France and getting pushback from the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church still has political power, and that is after this. Right. Uh, it, it, I, I don't know. I, it's weird to me. I just kind of can't, like, fully accept that notion as a fundamental, like, especially, like, I don't know, just, like, in a small town, like, like anywhere, though, even, like, the anywhere, the city anywhere, the idea that, like, oh, well, just nobody goes to church in a place that was, like, dominated by a specific religion for a significant period of time. It's like, oh, well, we just don't do that anymore. Like, really? Yeah. It feels like a hyperbolic well, version of th- this. Like, yeah, maybe it's mostly old ladies or, you know, older people, but, like, six in the whole town? That seems insane. That seems hyperbolic. Yeah, is what there I mean. is. Maybe, but uh, we get that uh, that French television bit, which is from, like, 68, uh, as one of the bonus features as well, where... Shavro specifically talks about how uh, how this town particularly is fairly uh, independently minded. Yeah, um, I mean, a, a speci- I guess a specific town. 
But yeah. like I don't know, it, Using, it comes off as very. The rest of the movie comes off as very generalizing in many ways. Yeah, about the country, no, I think that's about fair. the countryside, and then like to be like, well, but in this specific town, nobody goes to church. Like, really? But that's the, like, I don't yeah. know. It's, I don't know. The whole thing is a bit odd to me. That's all. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's also at odds with Shabrol's relationship with the church himself. Right. It's uh, he is he is in a complicated relationship with Catholicism while making this film. Right. Right. So, uh, so it's a film where Catholicism is complicated within the film um but yeah the priest seems to have little moral authority uh but is also the only person who accurately sort of condemns francois messiah complex right um the priest himself is not salacious in any way uh i mean just i would say that the my my one argument is that like the priest has has completely given up on the town Right as a sort, right. which is it's not salacious, but it is also a like very yeah un- unpriestly behavior, right? Like he's like, oh, none of these people right. have any interest in what I have to say. I've given up. I've given up. Like they don't right. Listen. And in his conversation with Francois, Francois says that he feels like the ha- the the village hasn't changed at all, but the people have. And the priest says that that can't be helped, but to him it feels like they're all being pulled under. So in that way, the priest is, if what you, if your complaint that this is uh, a city dweller's uh, paternalistic look at people in the countryside, then the priest saying he feels like all these people still living in this town are being pulled under is part of that, right? Is part of that paternalism. Right. Um, but, but, but bearing in mind, maybe the Catholic a, church fundamentally has a, has a paternalistic, right. like, perspective right. on all of its congregation right like yes it, it like that's a, that is in line with the way that the catholic church sees everybody yes. in france basically right. uh and they embrace that that's why they use the word father uh yeah that's right um it's a fundamental aspect of catholicism right but uh but yeah um so you know i think i don't know the this is another movie that's sort of quasi dealing with religion, uh, but at least it's not wholly about Catholicism in France, like say uh, other movies we've watched recently, right? Um, where where also what it's trying to say about religion is maybe not that interesting, uh, because it's just somebody who has decided to leave Catholicism, taking cheap shots that why they're leaving Catholicism. <laughs> right, um, right, right. And not everybody's Buñuel. And also that's not the point of this movie, right? That's not really right. what the what the tale is here. It's not is not to complain about the priest in particular. I think even outside of this film, this uh small town incest is a very common trope. Yeah, and that's that's and, sort of where yeah. I, I sort of I developing a lot of my thoughts on this from yeah. is that like that's and, just such a but and it's, and it's and it's a very specific kind of trope meant to malign to create a really a separation between two groups of people to like yeah it, and like we all know that like when when those kind of separations are formed they're formed to serve very specific purposes and needs right you're trying to create yeah. like an other group of people 
that can that can then be treated badly as a part of of creating a sort of dynamic that allows capital to work basically right like you need right. one group of people that's treated like shit so you can pay them nothing they can't be like you because we need to not pay them any money and like yeah. that's the, always the way it, way it works it's just always the way it works fair enough just thinking more about Francois's messiah complex where you know where the priest explicitly tells him you are getting sicker being here and Francois but they need me they need an yeah, example no exactly he decides uh, he's going to be an example for them i mean like it's yeah. very explicit and like certainly like Chabelle is like is self-aware like he understands that like that's right. like we're not as an audience meant to read that as like a good thing right we're not supposed to look up right. to Francois Absolutely and say, not. like oh yeah. here's the hero we've all been waiting for certainly not I'm not, and I'm not arguing that Chabelle so, is making a bad choice in that direction. I'm just also saying that so, I don't think he's also doing the other side very well either. <laughs> I, right. He's maybe not doing the other side well, but if that is true of Francois in this movie, then the movie is certainly not about how someone who leave, leaves your small town, uh, lives in the big city for a while, and comes back uh, all cultured and... and uh, can see what the problems are in the small town uh, and can save you, well, that's wrong. That's not what Francois is doing here. It does happen that he manages to save Serge in the end, maybe. Uh, probably, no, I mean, but, <laughs> again, we've, we've got a very serious problem of, like, yeah, maybe, but, like, that's not how fixing people, like, that's not how alcoholism gets fixed. Like, we don't, <laughs> we don't like, recover from alcoholism because of some miracle happens in your life and now you're better. Like that's just not the yeah. way things work. We recover from alcoholism by having the ghost of our best friend show us how we're making life bad for other people. Absolutely. Uh, and then resurrecting us. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, as we learned last week. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, we all know how it works. We've seen the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you did you catch the bit in... Uh, Claude Chabrol, my mon premier film, the uh, the two thousand three bonus feature, uh, where Chabrol's dad told him not to become uh, not to become a director because there's too many pedophiles in the film. Yeah, industry. yeah, that was amazing. I was like, wait, what? Like, it's yeah. such a weird like. I, that was actually my. Fa- I wanted to talk to you about that because it is like the weirdest sort of um, kind of non sequitur of the whole thing, where it's like, wait, what now? And then, like, yeah. he argues, well, there's a bunch of there. There's also a bunch of pedophiles in the farm, like among pharmacists too. It's very weird. Right. It's a very weird. Um, the whole thing is very weird. I, I, I kind of France didn't know in how the 1950s, it. just pedophiles all the way pedoph- down. Pedophiles, yeah, 100. Yeah. percent It's, yeah, exactly. I, a very strange um, argument to have had. Well, and as it turns out, his dad was right. French film yeah. directors chock full of pedophiles. Some of them eventually go on the run from the right. law. Serge as shares as an in indictment on the uh capital destabilization of small towns. Yes. Um Serge is uh, you know the small town pr- uh, is one where uh, there are not economic opportunities. 
uh, and an increasingly industrial society, that is France in 1958, um, a lack of uh, information or even industrial jobs in small towns is a reason that small towns are dying, uh, like the church in the small town is dying. Serge says he uh, wakes up every day just hoping not to think about anything uh, in one of his more candid moments about how much his life sucks. Um, and yeah, he's just alienated, right? Right. You know, and, and he's self-medicating and, because right. of his alienation. And and it's worth noting that that's a very much on purpose process, right? Like, And, and the two right. are interplayed together with like, you also do things where you tell everybody that these are shit places to to deal with the fact that like well we've alienated a massive portion of the of the population that lives right. here they don't deserve to have good things anyway because they're a bunch of animals who fuck each other yeah um, but we talked about that last week too with um how that movie and you know to a certain extent this movie too uh leaves the alcoholism as the uh, diagnosed as the initial problem instead of right exploring right. i mean this one has a little bit more it. of it right like Yvonne brings yeah. it up and like the idea that like, well, like, well, and, and it is brought up a few times of like, well, there are no jobs here. And the movie does also have right. the argument built in of like, well, not all of us can just like up and leave this place anyway. Right. I mean, that, that argument is only half formed in the sense that like, that's not the answer to systems of alienation anyway, is that like, well, that's, that's what the neoliberal sort of metropole sort of design wants it to be. Right. Or so, well, all the worthwhile people well, will up and leave this place. Right, because yes, that's not an answer to a also, problem. Right, like that's just fundamentally not an actual answer, but it is the answer that's provided right. because Marie's, it's similar to the alcohol thing. It's we can't we can't take the answer all the way back to core root problems because you will never get the answer you want, which is you know, well, this is fine. We just need to you know, it, it, the answer will always be well, the system's fucked and nobody wants that right. answer, so we can't ever take it back to like root causes. Yeah. Marie says she can't leave Glamod because, or she can't leave the town because what would happen to Glamod? Um, but in the same way, every single young person in this whole town has a, well, we can't leave because my parents or my uncle or just what will happen to the town, period, if all the young people leave. It'll fall apart, everyone will die, <clears throat> and no one will be around to care for any of these old people. Right, but um, but that's not their only argument, right? Like, Serge and other people make an argument of, like, well, that's also, like, you can't just... It's not just because we owe things to right. the town. Like, you also just can't leave. Like, sometimes, like, we talk yeah. about this, like, whenever you get into sort of modern sort of Republican rhetoric or something about, like, that sort of like it's like, well, everybody should just up and leave and move somewhere else is not a fucking answer to any problem. Like, right. that's not an... Absolutely I mean, not. sometimes... Get the fuck out is an answer for a specific person to solve very specific problems, but it's not. Yeah. The, it's not. You should always be willing to leave if things are really bad for you. But like, what I mean is like, it's not a systemic solution, right? Especially when you're talking about uh, what is essentially an entire population uh, being moved from their ancestral home, for instance, right? And being and um, being pushed you know. into like presumably it's a because because. Fundamentally, the, the the way the system is concocted, it doesn't actually. It, the metropole can't support every single person who lives in this town moving into the metropole right. and taking up modern, modern, quote unquote, modern jobs. So it's the ones who can do, and the ones who don't die. 
That's that's the solution. That is the only answer provided. Is like, well, the ones who can't don't deserve to be alive, so they can just die. Like it's, I'm not saying that that's, you know, that's that is just the solution provided by modern capitalist design, right? It's like, well, if you're capable yeah. of working, you should leave and go work. If you're not, we don't care. You should you should probably just go and die. Like that's yeah, that's just the answer, and right. that's and the movie is not arguing that that's a good answer, but the movie is also not digging deeper into like systemic ideas, like because in the end, the things that the people say is we can't just leave. Well, okay, yeah, you're right, you can't just leave, but like that isn't a solution in and of itself anyway. Yeah, yeah, and of course, yeah, we frequently run across the opposite argument of well, you can't afford to live in this town. Well, you should move to a town that's half the size of this one. And just on down the list. Right. Can't right. afford rent in New York, move to Columbus, Ohio. Can't afford Columbus, Ohio. I don't know, move to Fort Wayne. Can't afford Fort Wayne. How about Hazard, Kentucky? Yeah. Uh, and, what, yeah. And, yeah and, and, and like, and, and that's always just a, yeah, there's always a sort of argument that, like, well, you, and, and that is a very individualistic sort of interpretation of problems, right? It's like, well, that's a, this right. is a you problem, not an us problem. And it's right, very right, right. obviously we all know not the case, right? And you need to make personal choices and uproot your entire life and <laughs> move to a town where uh, your buying power is still going to be the same because that's how the system works too. So, right, yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, well, you've got to, you just, it, yeah, it, it, it's, so the mo- to me, the movie is sort of half engaged with the, the issues. Right. And I think the reason is that, that in many ways, like a thing I was thinking about last night is, the French New Wave is a a sort of rebellious movement that very much fits firmly and tightly into a modern neoliberal world order. Like, like, yeah, it is not rebellious against the core concepts of society. It's rebellious against like very sort of surface level. And even they talk about it in one of the two documentaries with this. It's like it's all about rebellion against form rather than rebellion right. against like the, the root, the core causes of things and stuff. Right. This, French right. New Wave is in no way, and now this is not true of all directors. Okay, let's be very clear here. But as a general rule, is is very pro the system. It's just not. It's anti the film system that like. But even then, it's not right. because as soon Which, as they all get like power to make movies within the the dominant structure, they all gladly take it. Right, like it's all. It's this is all what we've wanted all along. Right, basically, it's like the ability to make the movies we want to make in the system, if possible. Right, which is where our conversation about cul-de-sac got even more insane. Was that uh, he <laughs> he was essentially making French New Wave films, but thought the French New Wave guys were too far left to actually right? Embrace yeah, their yeah, politics, yeah. It, it, it's is... I don't yeah. It, and bearing in mind that the French New Wave guys just fit into like yeah, as we talked about modern neoliberal politics, right? Like they're just they're right, right, yeah. They argue that the new way is better until, <laughs> until, uh, until Godard learned the word uh, bourgeois. Yeah, and then and then suddenly and things started calling changed. the rest of them bourgeois. Yeah, and like legitimately over time does change the way he makes art to a certain extent right. to to engage with the idea that like oh wait things are bad for reasons that exist beyond form right uh, right yeah it's 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 all fucked yeah it's, and and. The more right. the more French New Wave films we watch, the more this becomes just completely solidified in my mind. 
and the more I get sort of disheartened by them, right? Because like you're told fundamentally when you watch French New Wave, it's in the fucking name basically that this is like a rebellion against yeah. the 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 sort of the establishment, right? But it is a rebellion against form right. only. It is not a rebellion against right core concepts. And that's that's what we what impressed us so much about Ken Loach with Cass. Right, it's a rebellion against actual concepts. Right, like it is it is far right. more, for lack of a better term, punk than anything in the new wave actually is, right? Because they are all perfectly happy to reiterate the system as long as they do it in a new form. And I, and there was a, there was a, go ahead. Loach recognizes that rejecting that form is a political act. Whereas Truffaut tries to make it not a political act. Right. Um, And and, and and Chabrol here is sort of trying to not make it a political act. Right. And, and even in their sort of like rejection of like, (laughs) They they wanted to it's aesthetics right and and, and in that way right, right we we see oh my god this is this entire podcast is going completely off the rails we see how neoliberalism <laughs> and and fascism are in are in are in conversation with each other but not in an opposing way right like this is a rebellion against form which is purely aesthetic that that yeah focuses on aesthetic as though aesthetic is the thing right like as though those are the same thing that the aesthetic and the thing are the same but they're not. So you so you kind of reiterate the idea that you can rebel against the aesthetic without changing the actual function of the thing, right? Which is a which is a core of core concept of, of fascism is it's all about it's the politic of, of aesthetic, right? And and you can see that they sort of build on each other, right? Like it's like well, you get into this idea of like well we are rebelling against it because we've rebelled against the form, but that's a meaningless act fundamentally right yeah. it's not meaningless well, to make for, new styles but like it is meaningless to make new styles and then claim you're changing the world right also for the core Cahiers to cinema guys at least it's uh middle class guys guys who come from from well-off childhoods for the most part yeah um embracing an aesthetic of the italian neorealism that was a material necessity Right, 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 uh, right. Rossellini's early work looked the way it did. Sicca's work looked the way it did because they materially could not make a movie differently than what they were doing. Right, absolutely, and um, and and yeah, you, exactly. You're focusing on and and so by co-opting an aesthetic of like like that, you're you're oh this is this is rebellious. It's modern. It's new. It's 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 a rebellion against more of a function rather than a form. But it's not. It's only against the form. Right. It, it, it's like. And and even those are not those are they are rebellion against the function in some ways and the and the core function of the system because bearing in mind they've literally just like they're trying to escape fascist film making right like it's yeah. it's one hundred percent immediately post war the form and the function are tied together to a certain extent right because it's post war it's fo- it's post fascist filmmaking and it it also has the form of this because of of a lack of resources, right? Now we've also had conversations about all those people were also fully involved in the making of said fascist film, which is its own sort of sullying of that concept anyway, right? But uh, yeah, 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 um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Getting getting away from ideological failures of this movie. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, sure. We can't. We can't I'll just try spend not, our entire I, time talking. I, about that. All I can say is that's nearly every episode of this podcast. But I will try not to. I will. Uh, I will try to move on. I'll do my. Henri Decay's cinematography here. 
uh, and the natural light in the images of this film, uh, very beautiful. Yes. It's a very beautifully shot film. Um, Decay is a cinematographer we've seen from before. We haven't really talked about him particularly, but he shot a lot for Melville, um, including uh, uh, Leon Morin Priest, the last Melville film we watched. Um, he also shot uh, The Lovers for Louis Malle, um, and it looks like a number of other films we have seen or will see. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, cinematographically, this film is very beautiful. Um, and, you know, it's... Given all the stories about Claude Chabrol being so uh, um, physically nearsighted... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh it is it is a a uh nice far-sighted choice of himself ideologically to pick a guy who is visually much more uh uh aligned with what he wants to do, right? And and let him do that. And of course, you know, plenty of stories we get from uh from our behind the scenes stuff of people describing that while Chabrol maybe couldn't see himself, um he's he could still visualize what needed to be done. Right. In uh, very specific and, and good ways, uh, particularly talking about tracking shots and being able to just put them all together very much on the fly and get them done uh, in ways that other directors would need to set it up and run through before he knew what he wanted. Chabrol just intuitively knew what needed to be done for them. And that's great. That's I mean, really yeah, neat. and you do get a lot of really neat shots out of it, right? Like we get a lot of things that like they do stay with you, um, in terms of sort of the style yeah. of, of things. Yeah, and we joked about the the very bassy horn music cue every time the old man shows up, but the very first one where it's like an aerial shot above the bus, and he's on one side of the bus and and our guys on the other. Yeah. It's a really neat shot. It is a, a neat, it is a neat shot that like well the problem the the fun and and some of this might have to do with like you know it, uh, it is a certain I I imagine it is playing with a certain idea right which is that like that those horn cues and stuff are already part of film grammar right at yeah. this time they they feature in like lots of films that predate the war and stuff like that like anything where su- the suspenseful it's a very f- suspenseful sound. But it's presented to you, especially the first time, in a way where you're like, you don't, you do see the guys, and you're like, oh, those must be bad guys, right? Like you assume they're like mobsters or something, yeah. right? And and it's painting about very what what amount to be or meant to be, as far as the movie's concerned, fairly normal people, right? Um, right. And and it, it is an interesting thing to do. Like I find it 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 is interesting in the fact that it continues throughout. It is it, it can come off as funny. And I don't know if it's meant to be funny. I can't tell. Um, but it is. It is. It is interesting because, like, it's it's so. It seems so wildly inappropriate. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it, it's, and it's also. Uh, it's fascinating. I don't know. It's like I. It's hard to wrap my head around. Basically, given the general subdueness of any background music, elsewise, a musical cue for our villain it's got to be purposefully silly it's just silly right i and i'm Uh, I'm forced to assume it's on purpose right like i'm not yeah yeah. it's just it is and to a certain extent like i wonder if it's meant to play off the idea that like 
movies present those kind of music cues to tell you like this is the big bad this is like a really dangerous really horrible person and right in this situation it's presented for what amounts to being like a bad but normal guy like in the sense that he is he is not like a super villain he is just a bad dude right um who does a very bad thing yes he does an extremely oh. bad thing <laughs> yeah. but he's not but he's also not but like it's the stinger you get like when you meet the mob boss or like a person who's killed a thousand right. you know what i mean it is a stinger usually reserved for those kinds of like i don't know like mass murderer kind of right. kind of characters you know what i mean um and so it, it's meant to i think play with those ideas and like have you as the audience sort of question what's going on in the movie in some ways and i think that's interesting and still also tell you, well, you should be paying attention to this person because he is the bad guy. Um, right. But not sort of, but, but but sort of mess with your that, idea of what that means, right? Identifying that real-world crimes aren't mobster supervillains. Right, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, very... exactly. Like kind of presenting – and it, but like – and using the sort of grammar of that to have you consider, well, what did that sting – because like it is something that stays with you, right? You get to the end of the movie and you're like, oh, right, like there's – a, it happens multiple times, but also B, you're you're con- you're you're both presented, but like the first one really sticks with you, right? Like they're just you can't let go of that first time you hear that, um, and yeah. so it's like, oh, wait, like, you want me to remember that you told me this is a bad guy at the beginning, and now you want me to consider, well, what did you mean by that? And it's like, well, yes, he is a bad guy. You are right, he is a bad guy. You just it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It's fascinating. Right. It, it, like, there's a lot of really neat things done here uh, with the form, right? Um, there, there, there are because like certainly they're not wrong in the sense that like prior to the war, this is not the sort of movie that would get made, right? Um, right. It's the wrong kind of story. It's your your bad guy is the wrong kind of bad guy. It, it's talking about the sort of wrong topics. Um, so there's. It's that is a a correct thought, right? It's just that, like you know, we we I've already complained about the things I'm going to complain about with regard to that, but like you right, know, right. But it is also correct to also understand this is not the sort of film that would have been made pre-war, more than likely. I I also think that for a first film, this is really impressive. Oh yeah, for I sure. Mean, he's making, yeah, uh, yeah. The choices made, uh. In film grammar, or you know, I think I think it's uh, Rafferty's essay, or or one of the bonus features. Certainly not an original thought coming from me, but this is a guy who's able to make a movie like someone who has been making a movie for decades. Right, right. Um, and yeah, uh, for for a guy who <laughs> has never made anything before, that's that's super interesting too. So yeah, I you know I certainly look forward to next week and seeing another. Chavril film, uh, just to see, especially one made so close to this one, right? Uh, well, and I'm also just, just curious because, like, that's number two, right? Like, he makes this that he's got a little bit of experience under his belt, so I want to see right. how it compares in terms of like sort of ironing out some of the kinks of this because there are it is really impressive, but there's also like you can there are also things that are clearly like, oh, well, like, this is a person who maybe didn't always 100% know what to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very successful. But, like, I'm curious to see what, like, obviously, the second one was a better, 
was not better. I, that's what I mean. It was a commercial success, right? And it's interesting to right. see, like, well, what were the differences that allowed that to be a commercial success and this not to be? I think being his first film, I think I think Shabrol's been pretty upfront about this over the years that he was a little headstrong in knowing what he wanted uh, without right. having the necessarily the uh, ability to have what he wanted. You know, he talks about you know not even be able to see anything through the viewfinder, right? You know? Because he's not even looking through the viewfinder, right? Like he's looking through the wrong right. hole, basically. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting movie. It's interesting ideas. Uh, you know, as far as as far as first films go, the new wave guys all throw everything they got on their first one. Yeah, and yeah. usually knock it out of the park. That's uh, true. And, and I think Shabrol does does do it here. Uh, not not quite as well as Truffaut does with four hundred blows, but still pretty dang close. Yeah. Um, it's really impressive. Well, you know, I mean, like, the problem is is that, that we fully stepped back into sort of, like, the conceptual, like, wheelhouse. Like, it's not really our wheelhouse because this isn't necessarily the kind of movie you and I like. But it's the yeah. sort of, like, it is, like, Criterion Collection's wheelhouse. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. It is a French New Wave yeah. film that has something special about it. I would. That we, that we like you and I maybe don't actually find as engaging as some of the other things we watch because it's despite being an impressive first film and being like we're kind of you and I have watched a lot of fucking French New Wave films yeah and like unless they've got something really to recommend them which this does have some things to really recommend it like it's hard to latch on to stuff right because it's like well I've seen what amounts to this movie about a hundred times at this point I would be super interested in seeing even just an hour cut of all of the uh, unused footage. Yeah, me too. That was I, cut from the initial. Well, see, I think I think you and I probably would have liked that movie a yeah. lot more. We probably would have talked yeah. about that movie for three hours. Um, right. Because it also would like, have been three hours long. But well, yeah, but like, uh, although, but the movie length doesn't need to necessarily seem to like. Yeah. I'd have to do some math, right. but like. We'd have to do a, like a real serious analysis, <laughs> right. but like if we look back, yeah, I don't know that the length of the movie directly correlates to lo- like the length of the podcast. It has it generally has right, to do with right, whether right. it's saying something that we find engaging, and yeah. sometimes it yeah. is right. Like sometimes we're like, this is, and like I think a movie literally like tries to engage with sort of like documentary right. documenting, um, provincial life, in a more. Yeah. honest and do- as we said documentary and sort of way would probably grab us a lot more right right if it's on the level you know i could i could imagine you know we spend some time in the butcher shop watching him work we spend some time right. in the bakery watching him work um i can imagine what this movie would add that would be described as quasi documentary um and i I'm think to a certain extent it would probably movie. help some of the things we've complained about right because the yeah. characters that are fundamentally censored in this, or centered in this, are yeah. are we've I've complained about them, right? I've complained about the idea that like it doesn't right. provide counterpoints. Well, like spending a half an you know not an actual half an hour, but spending a bunch of time with the butcher doing butcher stuff and interacting and showing that this is a functional real place where people live functional real right. lives would really be a strong counterpoint to. Are these a bunch of fucking animals who like have incest all the time? 
and are, and are drunk right. all the time. Like and that, that would provide a really strong counter argument right. to that. And and if Shabrol has gone on to regret making those cuts, I think one reason to regret making those cuts is that at the time he might think it's an okay idea because Shabrol is approaching this. This is a film shot in a place he is familiar with. Right, I don't think he's naive enough to think, well, I'm familiar with it, so other people will be familiar with it by default. But he might be more willing to cut that stuff out. And it just, if it's what it's described as, and it's very, you know, quasi-documentary is the only description we have, right? Um, but if it's what we imagine it to be, it makes the town more alive in a way that is outside the problems of our handful of main characters. Right. Uh, that I really think would uh, ground it well, better. I'm actually surprised we don't and, have that. My guess is that th- that material must just not even exist anymore. It must It must be gone. Right? Like yeah. Because otherwise you would just do that, right? You would just be like, well, and here's... Because like that's the sort of thing that Criterion Channel would like, or tri- Criterion Collection would like, lose their Love. mind over yeah. getting right that's exactly what they want to do right they want to be like and just so you know here is what used to be in here and we don't have that which right. means it probably just doesn't exist which is sad right that is in itself a sort of sad thing because i bet we would have liked it i bet a lot of people would have liked it i bet in many ways things like that solidify movies even more in sort of the public consciousness is like the the new cut that has like all the stuff in it or the new cut that you know it, it that's yeah, because I do think that probably yeah. like this movie wasn't necessarily commercially successful, and here we're seeing it. But like, are we seeing it because Shabro's later work is successful, and so we want to show you this one that also was not necessarily all that successful? Yeah, probably. You know, Shabro is somebody who continues to make movies right. to this day, right? And, and well, that's uh, what I'm saying is that like being able to present that and like, hey. This gives you a whole different perspective. This, well, our version gives us a whole. Well, different not to this day. He died in 2010, but, but anyway, you know his I mean. career yeah, t- continues into the 21st century. My I mean. my point yeah. being though that like <laughs> you as a something like the Criterion Collection would say like, but now like you can see this and like maybe have a different perspective on this work that was largely ignored, um, because there was something deeper to it, and like that's when you start making arguments like, well, why did we cut? And like you know, you can start sort of retroactively saying like well we had to and so because also bearing in mind that a thing that we should think about is like the reasons for cutting it probably also involved the fact that like all these guys also wanted to be in the movie industry right and right wanted to prevent present things that were like that could theoretically be commercially viable so that they could maybe be picked up and like start actually making movies for a living you know you know what i mean like there's always a goal to make something commercially successful and so you maybe cut it down to this shorter story because you believe it will be more commercially viable uh now yeah i don't don't know like the movie doesn't give you a lot of i I don't have a lot to hang my hat on here to like really like dig into it right like there are some neat scenes we could talk about neat scenes but even then yeah no yeah the int- what is actually interesting to me here on a meta level is that while we maybe don't have a lot to hang our hat on here, there's enough going on that I'm still interested in seeing more of his work. Yeah, I would agree. That's and whereas, I'm looking forward in, to the next movie, like legitimately. Yeah. In other instances, there have certainly been times where our first experience with a director 
uh, who we know there's more coming from is not. And you're like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> yeah, oh no, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, we get next week, and you know, it's it, it is certainly frequently true with the Criterion Collection that our first experience with someone is also super impressive, and we can't wait to see more of them. This one's not super impressive, but I still can't wait to see more of him, which is a weird, weird position yeah. to be. In. Well, because I think <laughs> so. like what I see here, though, in many ways that like is kind of impressive is like I have complained a lot, but I that we also discuss the fact that there are some like there's some some core self-awareness in this that we don't always get. Right. Like like his standing character is not just a like. I'm 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 like what's the I don't I I don't know what the word I'm looking for is I'm really struggling for a word here but like a lot of times that standing character is just is perfect right that that standing character is so yeah. has no flaws or it's the flaw the person thinks they have but it's not their actual flaw um, we've done that before uh, but but right, either way right, like right. we we there's this sort of like a lot of times they don't bother to make their, their standing character sort of a flawed individual in the way that we actually could see as the audience. Whereas like this one is successful in that. Like we see Francois's flaws and those are the flaws that Chabot wants to talk about. They are, yeah. they are one and the same. And I think that is a, that is an unusual result. And right. I think that makes right. him yeah, exciting. It's, un- it's like, Oh, this is a person who is at least marginally self-aware. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is exciting. Right, absolutely. Especially to have uh, someone who is competent and self-aware. It's right, very good. It is a um, they are sometimes is a surprisingly rare combination. Oftentimes, yeah, yeah. Competent and not self-aware, very uh, incompetent and not self-aware, one hundred percent. All like yes, yeah. the vast majority of movies. Um, but uh, but competent and self-aware is just very rare, <laughs> and and very happy to see that too. Yeah. Well, let's pull this to a close before we just end up rambling for 20 Which minutes. Which is just the, where we do seem to be headed, yes. Yeah. We've been talking about our very first Claude Chabrol film in the collection, Le Beau Serge from 1958. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about Le Cousins, the movie he made uh, directly after this. So we look forward to that as well. Uh, our little Serge one-two punch. I'm, I'm sorry, our little Chabrol one-two punch. Yeah, like um, Serge uh, would be a different matter, but... Yes, yes. You you don't want to be punched by Serge. Uh, he seems to be. He has a violent streak, frankly. <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, so the cousins next week. Look forward to that. Thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I'm as always the Adam Glass. With me as always, John Patrick Oishari Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. been listening to Lost in Criterion with co-hosts The Adam Glass and John Patrick Oitari-Dorgan. With the collapse of Twitter, who knows what social media we might end up at. 
How about Blue Sky? That sounds great. Check out the official podcast account at lostincriterion.bsky.social. Jonathan Hape does our music, and you can check out more of his work at jonathan-hape.com or on any music streaming service. And you probably should. He's pretty good. A big thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. You can join their ranks at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. And hey, thank you for listening. <laughs>